Has the final nail been driven into the Lakers' coffin with the recent injuries to LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Is Patrick Kane the final piece to the Rangers' Stanley Cup puzzle? Should there be a new rule regarding the QB push in short-yarded situations, a.k.a. the Jalen Hurts rule? No umps in the Orioles-Pirates exhibition game? Plus a key injury to an NL perennial playoff team? Potential number one pick Jalen Carter is charged in a fatal crash? What does this mean regarding his draft status next month? All those questions will be answered in a story about a puppy. You can't make this stuff up as we celebrate another year of the podcast. Thanks for stopping by as we commence year five of the program. It's all coming up, but first, this message. Jay Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the Jay Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review, I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour, where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it, and with that said, let's get it, the J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I got to call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Wills Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest I hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. It is a festive time of the year in these parts. No, it's certainly not the holidays. It's not Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, etc. It is a new month. The clock will turn up in nine days. Spring will arrive nine days after that. Another lap around the track for yours truly. But an anniversary for the podcast is coming gone as we celebrate the fifth year of this journey. So hop on board if you're a newbie or an OG as we go throughout the sports landscape together as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard. And for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Quite a bit to get into. I have some housekeeping to start. A strange yet funny story right after that. And then we'll jump into everything that's happening in sports. So let me start off with the housekeeping. This is year five. I remember it like it was yesterday. March 1st, 2018, and granted, it's not an even number. I understand it's not the 10th anniversary or 20th. I understand 25 is a silver anniversary, but when you start clicking off these milestones, and now that we're half a decade in, not only has it been an honor and a privilege to be in front of this mic or behind it, wherever you want to call it, to share my thoughts, feelings, opinions, analysis, not only on a week-in, week-out basis, but now... Going back to April, almost 11 months, doing it twice a week, and being able to have this platform for everyone to come on board to listen to as there's so many other different outlets 
and podcasts, we understand radio, terrestrial radio, we get it that this is the age of information and how it's disseminated and how by the second somebody's coming out with a particular podcast, particular format, and I just want to say for those who have been with me from day one or if this is your first day, thank you so much because without you guys and gals, I would still do this, but of course I would need people to listen to me get on my soapbox to either critique, praise, or just babble about what goes on in the sports world. And this is the toy department of life as we know. So this isn't anything that's going to be earth shattering or anything that's going to change or shift the medium, so to speak. I'm just another voice in a land full of many. And this goes out to you, the listener, the follower, the fan, as well as my family, friends who have supported me throughout this journey and God willing for another five decades, let alone five years of doing this podcast. And of course, all the guests throughout the years, and I get it that there's been a smattering of guests. I wish it could be more consistent. As an independent podcaster, it's not easy to try to compete with a lot of the others that are out there, especially the quote-unquote new media, which are the player-turned-podcaster or media personality. And when you're trying to break through here in this particular realm that I'm doing, I understand that there's a lot of, I'm not going to say cold calling or DMing or dropping off information about me on a particular email. And again, it has its challenges, but ones that I certainly welcome with with open arms. Because this labor of love that I've been doing here for the last 300 and now 38 episodes, once this one is concluded, five years, half a decade, as I mentioned, I don't care. This is what I have dreamt, lived, breathed eaten, slept, you name it, not only just for the last five years, but going back pretty much since birth. And if you haven't gotten a chance to go back, if you're a new listener or just giving this voice and this person, yours truly, a shot, again, thank you. And I hope you come back for many, many more in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. But this is a widespread thank you twice more than once to anyone and everyone who's participated in some way, shape, or form to this endeavor, and I will continue to do so as long as the good Lord has me here on his green earth. So I wanted to start off the podcast by saying that a ginormous thank you to all who have been a part of this program here, five years running. And now to my funny story, and this is regarding a puppy. And I thought to bring this up only because last night was as probably as rough as a night as, as I've had for quite some time when it comes to sleep. And nine days ago, my wife and I, we got a beautiful little nine-week-old Cavalier Poodle Mix. She goes by the name of Kismet, which defined is destiny or fate. And this beautiful little bundle of fur who has brought joy... And has brought some sleepless nights. And last night was indicative because it is early Thursday morning as I record this. And not only did I barely get a wink of sleep, but for whatever the reason. And she's been good over the course of the past week plus. Despite some growing pains, which is expected when you have a puppy as young as she is. But last night, for whatever the reason. And mind you, she's been very good with the crate because she's been sleeping in the crate in our bedroom. 
And there's been times that she's whimpered and we had to get up in the middle of the night to open up the crate to have her go do her business. And for whatever the reason, last night was the night where she decided that the Zoomies were going to take over. That even as she peacefully walked into the crate at about 11.15, she figured from the time of about 11.30 to about 12.23 when I got up out of bed to open the gate, made sure that she had to do her business. And stood up with her to the point where now she's just running around the apartment like a madwoman. It's a girl. And also whimpering throughout the apartment for whatever the reason. She has to take some medication because she has that Guardia, I believe it's called. Or Gerardia, I don't even know. I can't even pronounce it. Where she has, I believe, a condition for a young puppy when she uses number two. Not to get all graphic, but... It's a scenario where we have to monitor to make sure that we flush out all the worms and the parasites that are inside. And because of her poop, to call it bluntly, that she has to take this medication to wean her off of whatever that's inside of her little body. But I don't know what got into her besides these parasites because from that point on, 12.23, I didn't get back into bed till after 1.30. And then at 4 o'clock in the morning, started again in the crate, whimpering, crying. I believe my wife got up at that point and she let her out of the cage and had to do her business. And next thing you know, the alarm is going off at 5.53 and I'm literally a zombie as if I'm an extra on The Walking Dead or The Last of Us or whatever show or movie you want to put me in. That is not a complaint by any stretch. I just thought it'd be an interesting story for the dog lover or the puppy lover out there who I'm sure can relate. And you're probably getting a chuckle over, but yes, yours truly, even on this celebratory day, is on fumes. But I'm going to make sure to put forth a great podcast, as always, and let's jump right into it because the NBA right now is going to be at the very top. And interestingly enough, I was going to start off with the Lakers, but last night, Kevin Durant had debuted in a Phoenix Suns uniform for the first time since the trade earlier last month. From the Brooklyn Nets and Durant in Charlotte to play the Hornets. 23 points in 27 minutes as they cruise to a victory. And of course, all the buzz you're going to hear today, tomorrow, and I'm sure for the rest of the month into April is whether or not the Suns are going to be the representative in the West to play in an NBA final. And if he's healthy and he's going to play all the games, they have an excellent shot. But as we've seen here over the last few years with a 1KD... And by any means, I'm not trying to throw a hex or any ill will. I hope he plays every game. I hope that the Suns will move up a little bit and maybe even threaten the Denver Nuggets or the Memphis Grizzlies out west. But until he remains healthy, we know he's going to score the basketball like no other. And what he's been able to do here when healthy as being one of the top scorers and great players that the game has ever seen. But I am not going to be one of those guys that today, and moving forward, even if they reel off a streak the way the Milwaukee Bucks have done, winning 16 in a row, that even if that was the case, I am not going to say that the Suns are shooing to face either the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, or any other surprise out East in an NBA final. So as much as we can applaud KD for his return, as much as we can look and say, ooh, the Suns, they're going to be a threat, As much as we could even, on March 2nd, say that, look out, Denver, Memphis, Clippers, Golden State, 
the Mavericks, etc. Here come the Suns ablazing and move out of their way because they are on the fast express lane to the NBA Finals. I would pump the brakes on that. And I may be in the minority. That's not to say that they're not going to make it to the Finals. That's not to say that they are not a lock or they're not going to. Of course, they have a shot. But there's a huge but involved, and it's certainly not mine. But that but being whether or not Kevin Durant's going to stay healthy from now until the middle or ending of June. If they even make it that far. So I want to start there. A team that is not going to make it to the middle or ending of June, or maybe not even to the middle of April, are the Los Angeles Lakers. And I get it that people are tired of this narrative. And you know me, I'm not into regurgitated narratives. I'm not into, oh, do the Lakers have a shot? Oh, now with so-and-so healthy. No, no, no. The only reason why I bring them up is because of what we saw on Sunday with LeBron James, and we talked about it briefly Monday with his foot injury, how he's going to be evaluated in two weeks, on top of the foot injury that Anthony Davis suffered or re-injured, that right foot stress injury that he had to sit out 20 straight games earlier this year, and now we're not going to know the prognosis of when he's going to return to the lineup. And this is on top of D'Angelo Russell, who they got at the trade deadline, and how all this is adding up, and he has a right ankle issue, I believe, how this is all adding up, despite them winning in OKC last night, this Laker team is going to be out to sea. This is another season where even if LeBron doesn't come back, or if they continue to fall to the bottom of the Western Conference, and if they are unable to dig themselves out of a hole, even if James and Davis come back at some point here over the next couple of weeks, let's call it as we see it. I would be shocked if the Lakers, forget about making the playoffs, will make the playing tournament. Because if you have to think that despite them hanging around, and yes, they're within arm's length, of that aforementioned playing tournament, how much more does Darvin Ham, the coach, and his organization have to go through in order for them to get themselves above water to where they could tread and make it to the finish line to get into the postseason? I don't think they can at this point. And we could talk about LeBron at 38 years of age, and we could talk about Anthony Davis and his injury history, and we could talk about, oh, they should just punt the rest of the season. You know the Lakers are not going to do that. They're going to hope for better or worse, with their fingers, eyes, and legs crossed, that LeBron could come back some point toward the end of the month and that Anthony Davis could come back hopefully within a week to 10 days to where they could maybe make a push and keep themselves alive knowing that if they are within a game of two of the playing tournament that they're going to go balls to the wall to do whatever it takes to get there. But even with them being one game behind the Pelicans for the 10th seed, where have we seen the Lakers prove anything this year of them being worthy of making it into the playing tournament? Even with LeBron and a pseudo-healthy Anthony Davis. And now they're going to be out on the lineup for God knows how long. And I expect them to not say fall flat on their face, but to hang around without those two guys. And I get it that the bottom of the Western Conference, it's pretty much pull the name out of the hat and whoever makes it, they may be in the postseason. Because as we've been talking about for weeks and especially on Monday's podcast, 
when you look at Phoenix, who I would think will now get some separation, being the four seed, but we'll start from Golden State down. Golden State is currently fifth, and I believe this is the highest they've been all year. And they may be getting Steph Curry back on a road trip next week, so that's something to keep an eye on. So who knows? Maybe the Warriors make this push. And I've been one hand race high in the air that I don't think, even with Steph coming back, and yes, they may have a run or two, as I mentioned, but are they going to go deep into April, May, and June? I don't think so. And check the receipts. I've said that now for weeks. So even with Golden State playing well, but let's start from five down between Golden State and I'll go as far as Oklahoma City because they're two and a half back and I guess I got to give them they're just due, although they're not going to make it to the postseason. But all those teams are currently separated by four games. And that's why I have to keep Oklahoma City there because they are four games behind Golden State for the fifth seed in the Western Conference. And all those teams in between, whether you're LA, the Clippers, Dallas, Minnesota, Utah, New Orleans, the aforementioned Lakers, Portland behind them, a half game, and then Oklahoma City's a game behind Portland for... 12th. So with all that being said, now to zero in on the Lakers, I don't think there's going to be enough. And I understand it's not going out on a limb saying that without LeBron and without AD that they're not going to make it to the playoffs. But these years with the way they are in the NBA, even when you look at Golden State, although they seem to righten the ship and let's see if they can get themselves into overdrive to put themselves in good stead out West and maybe perhaps defend their title. But I don't see it with this Laker team. And even with LeBron and AD coming back. And when you think about this tenure of LeBron, and I understand we can't put the season arrestors yet because they are still in the mix. But could you imagine that this will be the third of five years that LeBron has been in LA that they will not make the playoffs? And here's the one thing I think about. Even more so, and I understand this is another discussion for another day, but let me just put it out there because... You may have to check the receipts somewhere down the road. I would say two, three, four, or five years from now. Watch the Lakers put up a statue, considering that he broke the all-time NBA scoring record in the history of the league with LeBron against Oklahoma City, that shot, and Kareem passing the torch and the balls we saw there a few weeks ago. But watch them build a statue for LeBron outside the Staples Crypto.com arena. And then on top of that, they're going to make a day for him where they're Going to retire his number 23 and his number 6, which is currently being worn by Anthony Davis, I believe. No, he's wearing his number 3. I take that back, but LeBron is now at 6. I hope that Genie Buss and company aren't going to look, let's say, in 2030. I'll go as far as that because who knows when LeBron's going to end his career. But if they're going to have their day where they're going to build a statue and then retire his numbers, please, we're just going to have to burn all these organizations' jerseys down and their numbers because it's absolutely going to mean nothing. And I talked about this with the Yankees, about retiring certain players' numbers, whether it's Reggie there for five years, and I get it that they won two World Series and a World Series MVP. And I understand I'm going off the beaten path here a little bit, but would you be surprised, and I'm sure a one up above, Kobe Bryant, would probably look down and side-eye and frown at the Laker organization to say, wait a minute, this guy's been here for five years, did win a title, three playoff years or three years out of the playoffs and in the other year they got bounced in the first round by the Suns and you're going to retire both of his numbers and put a statue outside of the Staples Center I just wanted to throw that out there so now let me just pivot and move on 
because when it comes to the association, I mentioned about Steph Curry and also anniversaries. Let's talk about this real quick and former Lakers, although he did not attain this record in a Laker uniform. But today's the anniversary, 61 years ago today, that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points against the Knicks. March 2nd, 1962, Hershey, Pennsylvania, when he was not a Laker. But he was on Philadelphia when they played in Hershey, PA, in that small arena, in a game I believe was not televised. And he scored 100 points in a game, which is a record and a mark that will never be broken, despite the fact that Kobe was the closest at 81. We saw Damian Lillard scored 71. But with the way the game is today, unless you're going to shoot, as a player, 25 threes in a game, there's no way that that record will even be sniffed, let alone touched. So I thought to throw that out there. But when we take a look here, I talked about the Bucks and how torrid they've been. 16 in a row, they've overtaken the Celtics in the East, a half game ahead of them, as the Celtics lost a couple nights ago to the Knicks at the Garden, and Jason Tatum whining to the refs as he got ejected for the first time in his career, and I love Tatum, everybody knows I'm a huge Celtic fan, but he's got to stop with the flailing arms, and even with the sarcastic remark, and that's why he got ejected, saying that, hey, this is the best officiated game I've ever seen, or witnessed, or experienced, and he got tossed there in the fourth quarter, where he got a technical there at the end of the third. And the Celtics, they're going to have those nights. They're going to have those days. I wish Tatum would kind of cool it. We understand he's a top player in the league. MVP caliber. He's not going to win the MVP. And made it to the finals last year. All good and well. Four or five time All-Star. Fantastic. But he's going to get his calls. But he's not going to get every call. And he cannot whine about not getting the calls. And even though in the post game, it was a funny remark where he says, well, this is what I get for fouling LeBron at the end of that game in January where he was fouled and the official didn't call it that game in Boston there on that Saturday night and then the other night against the Knicks he got fouled there on a three by Julius Randle but for whatever that's worth he needs to pipe down when it comes to the refs and hopefully he will learn from this and not bitch and moan as much as he had here over the last couple of years when it comes to that but the Bucks are flying high like I said, 16 in a row, and I believe they started their season, what, 8-0 and 9-0? So they bookended this start of the season, and now with 24 victories, and they're going to be obviously an imposing threat here come playoff time. And what else we have in the East? The Knicks have been hot as well, winners of 7 in a row, 9 of the last 10, gaining some separation there between Brooklyn, Miami, Atlanta, And they're a half game, or excuse me, a game and a half behind the Cavaliers, which would be nice for the Knicks to get that home court. Although it didn't bode well for them back in the 2020-2021 season where they had the four seed and they lost to the Hawks in five, you recall. But that's a good barometer there for the Knicks to see if they could get that four seed because, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, you want to have home court. You want to be able to hold serve in your building if you possibly can. So we'll take an eye on that as far as we us getting deeper into the season. But other than that, with the NBA, that's what we have overall. So, Kevin Durant watch and the Suns and how they fare. The Lakers, is their season out to sea? With these injuries, Steph Curry coming back, what's going to happen with Golden State? And the top of the East with the Bucks and Celtics are going to be pretty much the main storylines moving forward here throughout the rest of this NBA season. And if you want to throw in some injuries... I understand that the Sixers destroyed the Heat last night down in Miami. Now, Joel Embiid missed the game with a sore left foot. Is this anything to be concerned or alarmed about? Probably not, but 
Who knows with Embiid, who's had a history of foot injuries. That's something that we'll have to pay attention to. And speaking of injuries on the show for the rest of the year, LaMelo Ball, Charlotte, we know that team has been a major disappointment. He's going to be done as he fractured his ankle there the other night, and he's going to have season-ending surgery. So the Hornets, who have had nothing to cheer about all year, are going to have an even more emptier building, not having their quote-unquote franchise-leading point guard to lead the way here to play out the string. And now that we're into the month of March, two weeks from today, the madness will begin. Yes, I understand that on the 14th, that Tuesday will be the first four. You're going to have the two playing games, Tuesday and Wednesday. But in earnest, we know that the tournament begins 12 noon, two weeks from now, or this day, where we'll have wall-to-wall college basketball. I'm sure brackets are going to be blown into smithereens because, as we've said time after time after time, who knows who's going to be rising to the cream of the crop there and make it to a Final Four, and who's going to be that Cinderella that's going to upset the apple cart. Well, last night, Alabama, who's had a very good year, and had a scare from their longtime rivals in Auburn. They were down 17, had to come all the way behind at home, and win in overtime 90-85. to You wonder if that's going to ignite Alabama to maybe look ahead, not only to conference championship week next week, but also into the tournament. We understand these games, there's not a lot of momentum that you could take from one game to the next, but this would have been a bad loss. And especially as you get deeper into this college basketball season, these losses could linger into the conference championship. If you get bounced early and then you have a week to mull it over before your selection Sunday and where you're going to play in whichever region and then to prepare and plan for a team that you haven't faced off against, even as a high seed, all that could play into it. And by them beating Auburn yesterday, it goes by the wayside. And that's not to say they're going to be a lock to go to a Final Four. Obviously, we don't know which region they're going to be in as of yet. But this is a win that we may look back on as we get towards Conference Championship Week, as we get to Selection Sunday, as one that is innocent right now. But as I said, losses do linger, especially when you get late in the season. Maybe they get a little laxed. Maybe they're already thinking of looking ahead. And Alabama did not do that as they came back from a big-time double-digit deficit to win in their building in overtime. And then what about Kentucky? All year we talk about the Blue Bloods where North Carolina on the bubble, Duke, who in first-year coach John Shire wins all their home games, and I'm sure they're probably going to get a bid when it's all said and done. As I mentioned, we don't know about Carolina, but now Kentucky, they finally cracked the top 25. And what happens? They lose at home to Vanderbilt by a bucket. So once they get into the top 25 and they can kind of say, hey guys, we haven't left, or hey guys, look who crashed the party. Now they're going to get knocked a peg and out of the top 25, as we would expect, come early next week when the rankings will be released. So... That's another thing if you're a Wildcat fan and thinking that maybe Kentucky could have this little run where they could go ahead and maybe show some face and show some pride for the Wildcats there in Lexington. Well, that got smacked down quick, fast, in a hurry by the Commodores. So the Wildcats are going to have to lick their wounds and get ready for their next game, I would believe, at some point, if not Saturday, but Sunday. That's all I have with the college basketball. Other than that, Houston, Alabama... Kansas, UCLA, Purdue are your top five 
followed by Marquette, Baylor, Arizona, Texas, Gonzaga, K-State, Tennessee, out of the top 10, and they suffered a big loss as they're not going to have Zakai Ziegler out with an ACL, their point guard, so that's going to be a player they'll miss come tournament time. So the Volunteers are going to be a man down and a big one at that once they get ready for the tournament again in a couple of weeks. Now as I turn my attention, as I take off the high tops and put on the skates and lace those up because the NHL with the trade deadline tomorrow and a lot that's gone on in that sport pretty much over the last couple of weeks dating back to when Bo Horvat was traded from Vancouver to the Islanders and then you had Vladimir Tarasenko, that trade and a bunch of other trades, Ryan O'Reilly, Toronto. So this has been a very active trade deadline and we would expect a lot more to come here between now and 3 p.m. tomorrow and a lot of the stuff that we'll review here The big one being Patrick Kane and how the Rangers have been flirting with Kane for God knows how long, even to the displeasure of Patrick Kane once Tarasenko was traded from the Blues to the Blue Shirts because Kane even admitted to say that, yeah, it's pretty disappointing knowing that they got him in hopes of Kane being, I don't want to say jettisoned, but being traded from Chicago to New York. But be that as it may, they still get their man They trade him. They had to be a little creative. They had to bring in the Arizona Coyotes into the mix as well as the Blackhawks because they had to move some money when it comes to the salary cap because the Blackhawks will take 50% of that and then the Coyotes are also going to take a percentage of that contract to where the Rangers are going to be left with paying $2.65 million for the rest of this year. Kane is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. I guess a little bit of an NBA player empowerment move on his part because to him, it was the Rangers a bust. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to be in a Ranger uniform. So he got his wish. So the big question here is, A, what does he have left? He's had a very good year to date. 50-some-odd games. He has 45 points, I believe 16 goals, 29 assists. We know he's still a productive player. We know that he's a big-time player in big moments. I've seen... With the three Stanley Cups that he won in Chicago, 2010, 2013, and 2015. We know that he's a former Conn Smythe Trophy winner, MVP. We know the back of his hockey card. But now we have to wonder whether or not he's going to uplift his game to show these troops with Tarasenko to the young guys on this team, the Capococos, the Alexis Lafreniers, the... Veteran leadership, Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, who they brought in, of course, from Carolina in the offseason, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, a team that made it to an Eastern Conference final last year. Can he put this team over the hump and bring this team a Stanley Cup that has not been seen around these parts, or at least Manhattan? We know the Devils have won at least in the century, but going back now 29 years. I think he's going to play a part, obviously. They brought him here for a reason. I would think in his first game tonight, the Rangers did win in Philadelphia last night. That was not Kane's first game. He's going to play at home here in the Garden against the Ottawa Senators. Is he the final piece? I would have to think he is if Tarasenko wasn't. And what he's going to do here, there's going to be some pressure on him. And I understand that the media here, when it comes to hockey, is not big as football or even baseball for that matter. But they brought him here at a hefty price. 
They had to maneuver and finagle a little bit with the books and get other teams involved. And depending on how far the Rangers go, they could give up a number one pick, which doesn't mean it much because the Rangers, they're stacked as it is to begin with. But I'm going to say that Kane, I think, will be a key asset to them winning a cup this year. How he's going to perform is going to be huge. Because whenever you bring a guy of that ilk, even at 34 years of age and a lot of mileage, etc., he has to perform. He has to produce. He's just not a shiny ornament that you could put in the locker room or have him skate during warm-ups or show off there from time to time or score the goal in a 5-2 game to make it 6-2 a la A-Rod when he got those tack-on home runs when the Yankees had big leads, which I know was a lot of his reputation there early on before he delivered in 2009. And I'm not trying to compare Patrick Kane to Alex Rodriguez, but my point being is that now that he's here and now that he could exhale and this is the place where he wants to be, well, now he's got to show and prove because those three Stanley Cups, the conspite MVPs, the regular season MVPs, that doesn't matter now. It's what are you going to do here in red, white, and blue and not what you did in red, black, and white. So that's one that we're going to have to keep an eye on to see how he's going to fare, not only in New York, the fan base, the way the team is constructed, but how he's going to lift his game to go above and beyond to bring this team a Stanley Cup. I think he's going to fare well. I think he's going to be rejuvenated. I think he's going to be pumped up and raring to go tonight. I'm sure he's going to go on a lot of emotion. That crowd is going to be buzzing. That crowd is going to cheer him with open arms. Even Jalen Brunson on the Knicks, who had a great game last night, scored 39 points against the Brooklyn Nets. He even walked into the garden with a Patrick Kane jersey yesterday. So if Jalen Brunson is doing that, and he just became a Nick five minutes ago, then you can imagine what the fan base is going to feel like tonight and the rest of this year heading into the postseason. That's the expectation of what Kane's going to bring here. And I have to go based on his reputation. I think he's going to play well and do well, but we're going to have to see how this all is going to shake down here, obviously, as we get into this final part of the season and into the playoffs. Now, you had a lot of other deals that were made. One that was surprising to me, and not that this is a big deal by any stretch, but for the Kings to ship Jonathan Quick, and I understand he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and they have other options that they want to use, and the Kings, they're in a race in their own right out in the Pacific Division, but to the Columbus Blue Jackets, they're going nowhere. And I'm surprised that Columbus made this trade, and they sent the goaltender back in the process, but I could see if the Blue Jackets were a team that was on the fringe, that needed that netminder, that had the experience, that was going to maybe put them into an eighth seed or maybe get them into a wild card where they could go on a run. But we all know Columbus is awful. They're at the bottom, the dregs of the sport. And to make that trade, I don't know why they did so, but... uh, Give it up. The Kings were able to unload some contract. And let's see what they're going to do here over these final couple of hours to lead them into the end of the trade deadline. But the Kings, currently two points behind the Golden Knights for the top spot out in the Pacific. That was a very puzzling trade, if you ask me. The Maple Leafs continue to wheel and deal. They bring back Luke Shen, a guy who they drafted number five overall 15 years ago. Brings them some grit, toughness, and cup experience as he performed there down in the panhandle with the Lightning a couple of years back. 
So that's another pickup for the Maple Leafs as they try to themselves get over the hump and just win a first round, let alone get to a cup final, which they haven't done in forever. Colorado, now with Nathan McKinnon back here over the last few weeks, they obtain Lars Eller from Washington to give themselves some depth as the Avalanche try to make a push there in the Central Division. Edmonton acquires the defenseman that they need and a one Matthias Ekholm from Nashville as he spent 12 years with the organization there. So now he moves to the great north of Alberta in that beautiful province. And Edmonton, they needed a guy that's going to play defense. Very good two-way player. More known for his defense than for his offense, but he can supply some offense when needed. But the Oilers went all out on this deal. They gave up two players, one of them being a 19-year-old prospect and a one, Reed Schaefer. Also two picks, including the first round pick of this year. So let's see if that's going to pay dividends for an Edmonton Oiler team that made it to a conference final last year and they're looking to take the next step. Is it enough? I don't know. I haven't seen Ekholm night in, night out. We understand that he's a stalwart as a defenseman and that's what Edmonton needs. But let's see if the GM there is going to work the phones and text in the middle of the night to procure more talent to try to get themselves in good position for a cup run. The Ottawa Senators even made a move by getting Jacob Chikrin for draft picks from Arizona. And Chikrin was rumored to be going to various places on different teams, contending teams. And as we know, Ottawa isn't one of those teams. So surprised there by the Senators picking him up here right before the trade deadline. And who knows what else we're going to get. I know there's another, a bunch of other small trades that were made here over the course of the last couple of days. I could go on and on with what's gone on here. Even the Red Wings trading Philip Roenick to Vancouver for draft picks. And not only that, also their conditional first round pick going back to Detroit. That was obviously in the Bo Horvat deal. So there's a lot going on. We'll see what's going to happen here over the course of the next 24 hours plus on where some of these players are going to go. But as we take a look at what's going on as far as on the ice overall, The Bruins, shocker, eight in a row that they've won, and they have 22 games left. They're at 99 points, and what more else can I say about this team that I haven't said and will continue to say? I'm just going to leave it at that, but the other teams in the sport that have been torrid, not many. Everybody's pretty much been kind of cooling off. Everybody's within... Striking distance, the Devils are a point behind the Hurricanes in the Metropolitan. The Rangers are six back. The Islanders are now leapfrogged over the Penguins for that pivotal four seed. And even when we take a look at the expanded wildcard standings, as it's constituted, Rangers and Penguins have the top two wildcard seeds in the East and out West. You have the Kraken and Winnipeg Jets with the top two there. You have a race, as I talked about, in the East with the Hurricanes, Devils, and Rangers. There's no race there in the Atlantic unless you want to look at Tampa and Toronto. Tampa four points behind the Maple Leafs there in the Atlantic for the two seed. And then the West has Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, all separated by four points. Colorado one point behind Minnesota. They're 74-73, and the Avalanche have two games in hand, so you have to keep that in mind. And as we mentioned, Vegas, two points ahead of the Kings, who are two points ahead of Edmonton. 
out in the Pacific, and then Seattle and Winnipeg currently deadlocked at 72 points for the wild card, and the Islanders are a point ahead of the Penguins, one point. And as I mentioned with Lars Eller being traded, I know the Capitals have made a lot of moves, so you would think that the Capitals look like they're going to wave the white flag and sell off whatever pieces that they can here between now and tomorrow afternoon. So if you're a Caps fan hoping that Ovechkin could get himself back into the tournament, and who knows, it is the NHL, anything could happen, but it looks like the Capitals will be on the outside looking in when it's all said and done. And that's your NHL. We'll recap a lot of the trades that will take place on Monday over the weekend and see where that falls. But Patrick Kane, the big story there and how his influence and his leadership and everything that he's done in his career, how that's going to translate to a Ranger team that's dying for a cup. To me, that's the big story this week in the NHL when it comes to a lot of these trades and the deadline. And then lastly, you have Keandre Miller, who got suspended for three games. We talked about this the other day, spitting in the face of Drew Doughty. He did apologize to Doughty. He did say it was accidental. Can you believe that? I don't know. I didn't really study the tape or the video to see if it was intentional or not. But obviously he made amends with Doughty, I believe. Buried the hatchet there. But he's going to serve time. He's already served the game. He's got a couple more to go. So that's the deal with Miller in that scenario there the other night at the Garden against LA. Now let me turn my attention to baseball. This will be quick. In the NFL, a couple of things there. Baseball, you had a strange scenario there the other day. I understand this isn't big news. This isn't anything to go crazy about. But I found it fascinating that the Orioles and Pirates had an exhibition game and they played the bottom of the ninth with no umpires. And it made me think, wait a second. It's bad enough that the exhibition season, the way it ended over the first weekend with a lot of the rule changes, especially in that game against the Red Sox and Braves to where the player got called out on strikes because of the eight-second rule in the batter's box and what was supposed to be a walk-off, bases-loaded walk for the Braves to win turned out to be a 6-6 tie to where the crowd were up in arms in disbelief and discontent about the way the game ended. So fast forward a few days later to where the Orioles and Pirates, where the Pirates were the home team, And they got the last out, game was over, but both teams agreed that they wanted to put in some extra work. The Orioles wanted to put in a pitcher that needed extra work, and both the Orioles and Pirates obliged to say, hey, what the hell, it's just another half inning, it's not as if we're going to play into the night. But the umpires had other thoughts and other ideas, they said, wait, you want another half inning? Uh Uh-uh, we're out of here, sayonara. And I didn't realize that the players could actually extend their games for extra work without umpires. And the catcher, whoever the catcher was at the time, was calling balls and strikes. So I thought that was a little interesting and a little wrinkle that both teams were able to stick around after the umpires said sayonara to get in extra work, to call the game on their own. And I actually thought that was refreshing. I know at the end of the day, no one cares. It's senseless. It's useless. Nobody, everybody probably forgot about it. And nobody's going to remember a day, a week, a month, a year from now. But for what it's worth, I thought it was interesting. I just wanted to put that up. And the other thing that is interesting, if you're the Dodgers and a Dodger fan, with Trey Turner going to Philadelphia, And Gavin Lux, a guy that was going to be 
front and center, a key component to that infield this year for the Dodgers doing big things, trying to get themselves not only another NL West crown, but into the postseason, 162-game season, into a World Series and win, because we do know 2020, the year that they won the World Series, was a 60-game season, and it was legit in my books, in my eyes, no doubt about it. But they're not going to have Gavin Lux as he blew out his ACL. He is done. So a young player, good player, not going to be in the lineup this year. What the Dodgers are going to do, I'm sure they have a very deep farm system. They could probably bring up somebody. But knowing that Turner no longer there, even Justin Turner not there, and what they're going to do to piecemeal this, who knows, maybe they get somebody off the waiver wire as a stopgap for this year. But with Gavin Lux, a good young player, not going to be in the mix for 2023. Is it a devastating blow? Is it Mookie Betts out for the year? No, it's not. Is it Walker Bueller out? And we know he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. It is not among that ilk. But when you have a guy who's athletic, a guy who can play the position, whether second or short, a guy that has a very good stick, and for all the expectations, and for also the lack of off-season moves and big ones at that to bring to your team to reinforce what you lost in this off-season, whether you name all the Turners or Cody Bellinger, who obviously fell on hard times and has not been the MVP player that we've seen going back into 2017, 2018, etc. But a lot of those guys that aren't a part of the fabric, and now that you lose Lux, that's a significant loss. So we'll see how the Dodgers handle that as we get into the month of March and into the rest of this exhibition season. And then lastly, as I put on the helmet and shoulder pads for the NFL, I understand this isn't about the league itself, but this is something that the NFL is going to have to deal with, this scenario regarding the Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter. In January, there was an incident to where he was not only speeding, driving reckless, racing to the point where he killed a teammate and a staff member. And for this to be revealed in the last couple of days comes as a shock because with the scouting combine taking place as I speak in Indianapolis and then for this to be uncovered not only comes as a huge surprise, but now you got to wonder whether or not Jalen Carter has a future in the NFL at all. Not only does he have to go through the legal system to see where he stands as far as being indicted. He had a warrant out for his arrest. I don't know if he's turned himself in. There have been reports that he was planning to turn himself in before the end of the week. And now he's going to have to go through that process. But I don't think any team's going to touch him at this point because sadly, this is a not a Henry Ruggs 2.0, but this is more a 1A because he's not in the lead the way Ruggs was. And although he was speeding not necessarily racing because he was outside the Las Vegas Strip 3.30 in the morning when he barreled his car into, sadly, another woman and her dog in the car. But Carter, just irresponsibly and for whatever it was, a week after them winning the championship and celebrating, maybe even days after, now that I think about it, no, it was a week after because the championship game was the 9th and I believe this incident happened on January 15th. And for... Him to now have to go through this, his family, his future, and 
Thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to the people who perished in this terrible accident. Now, he's got to wonder and ponder for the rest of his life what he did here and how that's going to impact his future. And on top of that, which NFL team's going to touch him? And this isn't a guy that was a middle first-round pick or a guy that was going to be taken somewhere in the second, third round or below. This was a guy that was an overall consensus number one pick. First guy taken in the draft. And the Bears, who have the first-round pick, who recently have talked about moving that first-round pick because they already have a quarterback in tow, so maybe they could get more picks by trading down. Now you got to wonder how that's going to play into it because I'm sure there were a lot of people looking to trade up to maybe get that generational defensive stalwart to lead their team for the next 5, 8, 10 years. Now you got to wonder how this is going to affect that. And I can understand that people now are going to pivot and look elsewhere to try to get or see who that number one pick's going to be or maybe the Bears stay put and say, you know what, the hell with it. We're going to select so-and-so. But if I'm an NFL owner or GM, there's no way I go near this guy. I mean, how could you? So, well, I have to wait and see how this is going to play out. I understand this is probably not going to go into trial for quite some time. But if you're an NFL team, and if you had Jalen Carter at the top of your draft board, and he still may be at the top when it comes to his talent, but there is no way that you take on the PR disaster that will be if you draft this guy onto your team, especially in the world and the climate that we live in today. No chance. But there's still plenty of time between now and the draft to see how this is going to unfold. But just a terrible story, no matter how you slice it, for the people who died, for Carter, his NFL future, all of it. And right now, that is on the complete back burner or maybe even off the stove completely when you come to think of it. That's item number one. The second item is that the NFL's considering this QB pushing to the line when it comes to whether goal line situations when you're trying to get that touchdown or a fourth and short or even a third and short when you're trying to get that first down as we've seen throughout the course of the year with Jalen Hurts and in even into the Super Bowl as we saw them convert a lot of fourth downs where they had the whether it's the fullback, running back, a tight end, even an offensive lineman where they had to push Hertz through the pile and get the first down. And even as I witnessed that throughout the course of the year, I said to myself, the NFL has to do something to enforce this. I can understand if you want to have a little bit of an edge or an advantage to try to get that player across the marker or the goal line to get the touchdown. All right, fine. But when you're getting two, three, four guys to kind of push them through the pile, I mean, come on, seriously? You can't have a lineman jump over the line of scrimmage to block an extra point or to block a field goal or get on the back of your teammate to get that extra lift to jump as high as you possibly can to get that block of the aforementioned extra point or field goal. So you can't do the same thing to push a guy through the pile to get... whomever it may be, that tight end, offensive line, etc. So to me, how are they going to enforce it? All right, you want to have one guy to push? All right, that's fair. But you can't have one guy push, and then here comes the gravy train of the wide receiver, the running back, the tight end. No, that can't happen. The minute that happens, that's when the flag is thrown. 
Maybe they just have the one guy to maybe get that push. Because, come on, you're going to have a 250-pound tight end, maybe even another lineman to go along with a running back, even with 300-pound defensive linemen who are pretty much at that point at the bottom of the scrum. So where you're getting the quarterback at the top to push him through? No, that can't happen. And I understand it's not illegal. I understand that it's in within the realm of the competition, but still, that has to get outlawed. At least in my eyes and estimation. And then we have all this talk about Lamar Jackson. Even T. Higgins, I know that the Bengals exec said, find your own wide receiver, as there's been rumors about T. Higgins getting traded. Because remember, Bengal fans, obviously you got to pay your quarterback down the road. You're not going to let Jamar Chase walk to another team. Tyler Boyd, I understand that may be a guy you may end up letting go. T. Higgins, that's a guy you have to have on your team. And maybe with all the rumblings about what they're going to do with T. Higgins, the exec, I don't know who it was, I don't think it was the GM, but he said, find your own wide receiver. And in the case of Lamar Jackson, the GM, Eric DaCosta, said that he loves the quarterback, that he wants him on the team. The thing is, with Lamar Jackson not having an agent, and him not being healthy the last two years, and him wanting a contract comparable to Deshaun Watson and the guaranteed money that he got, I understand he's a former MVP, I understand he's dynamic, I understand all the elements that Lamar Jackson brings to the game. But he's won one playoff game when it really mattered, and he's won one big game when it really mattered, and that was in Tennessee, which could have been a little bit of payback for the year before, where Tennessee beat them at home when they were a one seed, I might add. But for Jackson to not have representation, it's not as if he has an agent on his side, and the guaranteed money, if you're Lamar, not to say that you're going to sign for whatever amount of money, you want to get paid handsomely, knowing that this is a sport that... It's all about the guaranteed money. But if the Ravens love him that much and they want to keep him, sadly, they're going to have to put their money where their mouths are because the going rate for a quarterback in the NFL is $40 million a year. And if you're going to keep him for five years, do the math. And how much of that's going to be guaranteed? Do the math. So if you're going to pay this man $40 million and you love him so much and you want to keep him and there's no way that you want to trade him, then you got to pony up. So you could have all the flowers, bouquets, praise thrown at the feet of number eight, your franchise QB. But we all know talk is cheap and money talks. So for that organization, you better put up because if you're not, then shut up. And lastly, is Lamar worth that kind of money? That's the going rate. So I'm not even going to get into the ins and outs, ups and downs between his big game history and his injury history because you got to tie those two things in together. Obviously, he's not worth that money. But one more time, it's the going rate. That's what quarterbacks are getting paid here. So shoot for the moon, sun and the stars, Lamar. Get what you can. Understood. It's a finite career especially with the way he handles the ball and how the ball's always in his hands. But this is more on the front office and the GM to get this deal done for everything that's been said about their quarterback. That's what I mean about putting up or shutting up. That'll do it, my good people. Another episode just about in the books. As always, super grateful, thankful, blessed to have this 
platform to be able to talk about what it is that I love twice a week, week in, week out, for you guys and gals. Your participation is never taken for granted. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't done so, like I mentioned at the top, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Throw me a few stars, write a review. It's going to do wonders to increase the visibility of this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Take a screenshot, send it to me on social media, send it to the dear sports fan in your life, send it to somebody that you think would love me babble about anything and everything that happens in the sports universe. Because how many other podcasts out there are like this one? Not too many. I understand there's a lot of football, basketball, those are the two hot sports. And you have your niche fantasy football and MMA, etc. I get that. But in one hour's time, I go in-depth on everything. Where else are you going to get that? And not only that, but to deliver it in a passionate, energetic fashion, entertaining, and informative with a lot of credibility on top of that, please, where else? So subscribe, rate, and review. Share with your family and friends. Throw me a few stars one more time. I would sincerely and greatly appreciate it. If you want to hit me up on any of the social media accounts, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast, my YouTube channel, which I'm going to flex that muscle a lot here in the days and weeks to come, at J Reels, Twitter, J Reels one just the number, and then the old-fashioned way, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Send me any questions, comments, suggestions that you might have. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to my Patreon page, P is in Paul, A T is in Tom, R E O N is in Nancy dot com slash the J Reels Podcast. Whatever you want to put forth, we'll go 100% to this production, upkeep of the website, equipment to make this experience into the microphone through your earbuds or speakers that much more pleasurable, enjoyable, as I mentioned, entertaining, informative, credible, with nothing but passion, fire, fury, energy, because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to talk about, people. Five years going, five more years, God willing, and five decades beyond that. One more time, I can't stress it enough. Where else are you going to get all this wrapped up and packaged in one podcast as I talk about anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, Gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast, remember this people, always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Center to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Thank you so much for these past five years and may we have... Five more and five more decades on top of that. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby.